You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. This is our regular show for the preview of the next game. Joining me tonight is Brian Manning, my regular co-host. Jay is out doing Navy stuff, so he won't be chipping in this evening. It's just back to Brian and me. So how you doing tonight, Brian? I'm doing good, John. Ready to go ahead and start looking toward Louisville and putting Wake Forest in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Now, Louisville decided that they wanted to do a little question and answer exchange. Did you get that email that I sent you with my couple of answers? And Yeah, I'll take a look at it tonight and have it into you by the a.m. Okay, good, because then I'll send it off to the Louisville guys, and hopefully I've already sent them ours, so hopefully they'll exchange them back and we can get that out. That's one thing. Louisville. I've been doing some studying, some looking. I looked at their games. I saw part of their game Saturday, which they won pretty convincingly for a change. But Louisville's been struggling as bad as we have this year. Probably been struggling worse than we have this year. You mean defense or? Yeah, well, both sides of the ball, really. I mean, they really didn't wake up until last weekend. We should give the listeners a little bit of uh, transparency here. Last week, they beat Florida State. I think it was like 48 to 16. So. Yeah, I never thought in my lifetime I would say that we need to preface something by saying they only beat Florida State. But Florida State is <laughs> a really bad football team. That it, that goes to show you how bad that loss was for North Carolina the week before. That's a bad loss for Carolina. I'm not comparing losses, but our, our loss against Wake Forest pale in comparison to their loss to their loss the week before to Florida State. Florida State's bad, and Louisville erupted last week, but Louisville's got some playmakers on offense, and I think we'll touch on those guys individually a little bit later. But yeah, Louisville, uh, two weeks before that, they almost beat Notre Dame 12-7. to Notre Dame's the number three ranked team in the country. I'm a little curious to why that game was so close. Was it a sloppy Notre Dame performance? Because I think for Notre Dame, that was the week they were coming off a lot of those coronavirus where they were out yeah, the week before. I'm wondering if that was a little bit of that or or Louisville's just defense was just that good that week. The sample size tells us it was more of Notre Dame playing down than it was Louisville playing up. Well, but. I'm looking at Notre Dame this year. I've seen snippets of different games. I was trying to catch the one about Louisville. I've been trying to catch Louisville games so I could see what we were up against. And it's just trying to grab a Louisville game. It's not been easy. The problem is, is Notre Dame isn't as good as everybody's putting them up to be. Well, then they are, are they ever? They're though? winning, but they're really kind of struggling to do it. They're never as good as they're hyped to be. And that's because they're Notre Dame. So they're always yeah. a little, well, not a little more. They're always overranked. And that's probably the case this year. I think they're probably a top 15 team, but not a top five team. Yeah, I think that the Notre Dame-Miami game is going to be interesting. I don't know if that's going to happen this year or not, though. But, of course, Miami's a whole other thing, and we'll be going over that in the next couple of weeks when we face them. But this time, let's take a look at their offense. Malik Cunningham is their quarterback. He's got 986 yards passing, which is for four games. 
No, six games. It's yeah, kind of poor. Four, so he's played played in six games. Yeah, nine hundred eighty six yards in six games is poor. That's nothing. There was a lot of hype surrounding Cunningham entering the season, and if you go back and look at some of the things he did last year, I could certainly see why there was a lot of hype. And he set the um, school record for passing efficiency with one hundred ninety four passing efficiency last year, and. As you know, Louisville's got a pretty good history with quarterbacks, most recently the Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. But I think you know some old-timers who played there at Louisville, like like Johnny Unitas, but that's a pretty impressive thing. And he's had some struggles, been up and down a little bit this year, but I almost wonder if he's that last week was his breakout performance and he's going to be set for a strong finish to the season. Certainly, we know Virginia Tech's issues with running quarterbacks in the past, and while Bud Foster is no longer here, that was Bud's only wart in all of his years here was rushing quarterbacks. But you kind of wonder if we're going to have that same issue because he's he's unlike any rusher we've seen this year from the quarterback position. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of the guy from Kentucky last year who was the wide receiver who turned out to be kind of the terrible human being. Yeah, where we couldn't stop him even though that was the only thing they had. He's so bad that the Raiders picked him in the third round and traded him before they ever played the game this yeah, year. Yeah, he never got on the field. So, like I said, he should have been in jail, cooling his heels for hitting people and starting fights on the side. But, you know, technicalities, right? Well, let's get back to our friends at the Louisville Cardinals. Their lead running back is a guy named Javian Hawkins. He's got... 468 yards, what Yahoo tells me, 468 yards on 85 attempts. Yeah, he's actually, John, he's actually the number three rusher in the country with 693 yards, and he's just... Yeah, this is because usually they're a game behind. He's won 37 yards ahead of our own Khalil Herbert. Khalil was obviously slowed down last week, not because of anything he did, just the game playing kind of went away from him, but Hawkins is a an, another intriguing player, and you look at their quarterback and their running back there, that's kind of a scary proposition considering some of the issues we've had with stopping the big play this year. That kind of worries me with Cunningham and Hawkins. Well, we had that 58-yard run last week that sort of broke the back of the defense in, you know, in the middle of that first quarter and kind of stunned them and set them back on their heels. It took them a while to recover because they hadn't really given up a break like that this year. Hawkins is the kind of kid who will rock a defense back on his heels because he'll slip through a crack somewhere and blow it down the field for 60 yards, which reminds me of another back that we're going to talk about in the second half. So we have a a really good quality back that we're facing. Receiving, the receivers are pretty steady. It looks like they have this guy named Tutu Atwell, Des Fitzpatrick, Braden Smith, and Marshawn Ford seem to be their four leading receivers. All of them have quite a few receptions and you know a fairly decent number of yards average. Atwell's the one I think you have to watch, another smaller yeah. slot type guy who's very quick, and I wonder what kind of matchup we're going to have with our corners because he could cause us all kinds of issues in the yeah, past. He's got four TDs, so it looks like Marshawn Ford is their other passing TD guy. So that looks like the secondary is going to have to work their butts off in in this one. They're going to have to keep people in front of us. And something that they've not been doing lately is the zones are going to have to tighten up. We've been playing off people too far and giving away critical yardage in the middle of the field. 
which is shortening and disadvantaging our defense on that particular score. So we let people too close to the red zone on not covering tight on some of these underneath passes. So that's their offense. You know, as we come back from the commercial break, we're going to cover the kind of the defenses, but our offense and uh, a little bit of our defensive effort and maybe some of their defense. So we'll be back right after this message. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Before the break, we were kind of previewing Louisville and some of their offensive weapons and the dangers that they could cause the Hokies' defense, which right now is still a work in progress with a lot of issues over the early part of the season, which we saw last week. Some things got better in the second half of that game, but it was kind of overshadowed by the offensive struggles. But as we look at Louisville's defense against our offense, I believe we could move the ball easily this week. And I thought that last week, but I really believe we get back on track this week and move the ball really well. They have some good players, especially at linebacker, but I don't believe they're going to be an issue for our offensive line to move around on the line of scrimmage. Their linebackers seem to be relatively good. Their secondary seems to be okay, decent, but their defensive line is not overly large and doesn't seem to have a big reputation for controlling the line of scrimmage. So we'll see. The offensive woes last week, you know, both of us, and I even checked with Joshua and we talked with Jay and everybody knows how we're all feeling with the fact that last week's game was not lost by the defense. It was lost by the offense and it wasn't lost necessarily on the ground execution by the offense. It was lost up in the booth somewhere when somebody lost their backup game plan that said, okay, our basic four plays don't work. Let's go with some better plays and some more complex action to try to change some of this overflow and loading the box. And none of that happened at all for the whole game. The only thing was is that we broke into that panicked third and long passing kind of nonsense that Obviously, Hendon Hooker was having problems. I was writing this article, and I'm still working on it, just as a note, and I'm kind of concerned about Hooker. I think we missed something in the ramp-up to this. There might be a problem with Hendon Hooker's throwing. I was watching some of the replay stuff and some of the plays online, and he wasn't getting his hips torqued around the right way. His footwork was off. His body positioning was off making throws. Not all the time. Sometimes he was on and he was hitting some decent passes, but especially in high pressure situations, he seemed to be so rushed and hurried, he wasn't getting his feet set up underneath him. So all of his mechanics were wrong. Maybe we didn't notice this year that that's a spring practice thing. That's a missing spring practice. That's a training thing. That's a missing fall practice thing. And we know how the Hokies have struggled with fall practice and how they've been sliced apart and they haven't been able to practice together. So I'm a little concerned with our passing game anyway. So Cornelson's going to have to do something on the ground. It's just he's going to have to make adjustments. He's got to use Khalil Herbert. He's got to make simple calls and allow Hooker to have some decently quiet, simple reads where he can get his feet up underneath him and also where he's not in third and long and panicked trying to make a throw that, you know, we've got maybe third and short and we could actually run if we needed to, you know? Yeah, Cornelson has shown an issue since he's been the coordinator here of not being able to adjust to the opposition. 
And I think it's common knowledge, really, that the Jerry Keel, who was here for the brief time last year, had issues with Cornelson and his ability to dissect opponents' game film and how to attack the weaknesses. And when you see a team jump on the Hokies like Wake Forest did, the offense seems to lag behind. It's like Cornell's, like a lot of coordinators, good or bad, are, are okay playing with the lead, but it's the great ones that find ways to attack and change things up. And he doesn't always show the ability to do that. And I know we talked on Sunday about the issues with the wide receivers not getting enough separation. That's a whole nother issue. Someone in that group, meaning receivers and tight ends outside of James Mitchell, really needs to step up and be consistent. We've seen flashes of Tavion Robinson been a little disappointed with Trey Turner we know Trey could be a really great player but I think he may be battling some injuries but James Mitchell's been what we thought James Mitchell was but he needs some help yeah you hit that spot on the other help that we need is on the defensive side of the ball and going through the drive log last weekend and then I started peeking at some of the other drive logs we have a serious problem on the inside of the line it's not that Jared Hewitt's a bad player okay he's a really good player but they're playing him out of position. The defense, when they get stoned, when they get hit hard and rocked back, they're playing that wide A gap where you basically have two wide tackles and two defensive ends, and there's nobody in the middle. And then they don't even have a mic up to cover the middle, and they're giving away the A gap and then trying to fill the A gap back in after the snap. That does not work with the size of tackles we have. Now, maybe you could pull that off with Dashaun Crawford healthy. Or maybe you can pull that off with Taiwan Garbutt on the outside because Taiwan Garbutt is big enough that he can shade in and play like a tackle. Garbutt's not going to be back for a while. He finally came back. That was our big news for the podcast is he seems to have solved whatever he was solving at home and has rejoined the team. I don't know how long it's going to take to get him in shape. That's the whole thing is that that's going to be one of those. We might see him by the end of the year. I don't know. But he has been evidently going to school. It's just that he wasn't with the team. So the defense needs help. And because of that defensive line needing some better help, I'm surprised that Tierlink kept calling that wide center because it was putting Jared Hewitt in a bad situation. And Hewitt boiled over. He was already flagged a couple of times for a couple of things inside the interior, or at least warned. I saw a couple of warnings pop up. But it was obvious that the targeting call was punishment for other prior behavior to that. He was running out of control, and somebody needed to yank him in and talk him down. That we're so thin kind of kept him on the line of scrimmage instead of on the sideline with a coach in his ear hole. So that's that. I'm going to let you finish up. Yeah, well, as we wind this one down, uh, we'll look ahead and want to go ahead and maybe make a prediction for this weekend's game. I want to say that I think it's exciting. I know Coach Fuente talked about the previous schedule, how it was every year, and I think one game he mentioned every year, he didn't mention it, but he was talking about how we have to play Boston College every year, and I think he disagreed with why we have to play them every year. I like the schedule this year, and I know a lot of people are liking this conference-only schedule, and I personally think Louisville should be on the schedule every year. I'm excited about this game this weekend, and hopefully we go down there and get a win. We recruit against these guys a lot. and I'm thinking that if we play good, solid football, and if we don't get away from using a varied running game and don't put Hendon in bad situations on third and long, I think we should be able to handle this one. I can't guarantee a score right now. I'm still thinking about it. 
I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to win this game, but I thought we would last week. I really do believe, feel good about this weekend's game. And and like you, I'm going to hold off on a score prediction right now because a lot of things I saw last week have given me some trepidation in, in doing such. So we'll see when the preview comes out where I'm going to go with that. Yeah, you know, it's, and me, I put mine out when we actually publish this. So like I said, I haven't thought about that. But one thing I have thought about, and it's something that we always think about, we love our Hokies and... That's how we end our show with Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.